welcome to the This Is The Place podcast. I am Meg Walter. I am on the phone with Chris Rawl because my kids are using every corner of my house to do online school. Chris, hello. Hello, Meg. I'm always worried about your well-being, but even more so now based on the fact yeah. that there, there's no respite in your life at this point, correct? Chris, can I tell you about my week last week? <laughs> How sad am I going to be at the end of this? I don't know. I don't know. Let's find out. So we were supposed to start online school the day after Labor Day, so a week ago today. We woke up Tuesday morning, and our street had been blown upside down, like cement overturned by giant tree roots. Uh, We had to run outside and tie a tree down so it wouldn't crash into our front window. Nobody had power in the entire city. School was canceled. Next day, nobody had power. School was canceled. Next day, still a lot of people didn't have can- uh, school or power. School was canceled. And then Friday, they're like, why even bother? We finally started school Monday, yesterday. <laughs> so I have two questions. First of all, yeah. how incredible is it that you and your family were able to tie a tree down and it stopped it from blowing through your window? <laughs> Well, okay, well, we had help. All our neighbors helped, and, like, there was, like, tarps involved, and there were, like, these heavy-duty, like, not not ropes, but, like, um, like you know, like, what real, like, construction people use, where it's, like, uh, like a nylon. A winch? Type. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so we, like, secured it, and then later in the day, a guy had a winch, 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 attached to his truck and he came and he pulled the tree down for us and then like all the dads in the neighborhood came over with their chainsaws and <laughs> chopped up our tree that intense the most terrifying visual i've ever had is a bunch of dads showing up with chainsaws for reasons yeah. that you're like i hope this is about the tree but i know that dads can get angry sometimes so i won't fully <laughs> quickly turn into a horror movie <laughs> um my second question is you have no power Everybody's at home for multiple days on end. I don't understand what happens for those days. You just kind of brush past that fact. Well, so we were lucky. We went down to my parents' house the day the power was out, and our power came back on within 12 hours. But, like, our neighbors across the street didn't have power for three days. So, luckily, it wasn't hot last week, so they were okay. But they were, like living by candlelight and going to Starbucks to get Wi-Fi, like pioneer time. And playing Monopoly all day. What would you do at your house? Well, that's the thing. Like, you don't realize how much you love electricity no, until I, you don't have it. I realize, trust me. <laughs> it's uh, it's pretty bleak as soon as that goes out. Like, what are we going to do, talk to each other? Get out of here. No, no. Who wants to talk to their family? So on the bright side, this week has got to be exponentially better so far, right? I mean, so far, school's all online. There's been a lot of technical difficulties, as you would expect. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how it ends up. I don't know, man. If it makes you feel better, I've been playing golf a lot and really been watching a lot of sports and gambling on them. Oh, have you? Oh. <laughs> Yeah, that makes me feel better, Chris. Thanks. You, you know what? As your friend, I will invite you if things ever become too much and you want to come down and just watch four different games at the same time and place bets on them with me, you are welcome anytime. 
I appreciate that, kind of. Um, before we get into the news we have here on the dock, we need to quickly talk about that video of uh, our local news segment that went viral yesterday. Did you see this? No, no, but I'm so excited. Chris. Yes. Chris, um, there was a rally in St. George. It was an anti-mask rally. At first, I was like, this is kind of funny. And then it quickly turned to bone chilling. Like, the things these people were saying when being interviewed by a reporter, I was ready to ask to have St. George succeed, succeed, succeed from the state. Like, it was very bad. And then I feel like I was, like, a little irresponsible, too, because the reporter talks to a kid, and the kid is like, COVID is just the flu, which is, like, a line that a parent had clearly fed them. I'm like, let's not put kids on TV spouting misinformation. That sounds real bad. I am on the Internet looking at the angriest old woman I've ever seen, and I've seen angry old women on the Internet. Yeah, it's it's a lot. I just want to come out and say that as a Utahn, it's very embarrassing. And most people I know are very embarrassed by this video. So let's not let this speak for everyone who lives in Utah. I'm seeing a lot of signs. There's one that says, my body, my choice with a mask yes. and an X out. Yes. There's, yes. there's one that has mask on with like a little switch and then brain off with a little off switch. <laughs> uh-huh. yep. That there's one's one actually that, creative. I like that one. <laughs> there's one that says I identify as a fresh air breather. It's real bad. Don't love it. Don't want to dwell on it. Let's just, let's just acknowledge that not everyone who lives here is banana pants. Uh, I actually love going to St. George, so I didn't know. I love St. George too. I didn't know that there was this much anti-mask sentiment, but why would I've known? Because that's only recently reared its head. But uh, back in the day, it seemed like just a lot more really slowly driving older people. Uh, that's really all the run-ins that I had in St. George. So apparently, they're also like you know they they're into the my body my my choice thing. <laughs> I can't. Let's get into the other news because I'm just like, I can feel my blood pressure rising. <laughs> so our first story comes from the Salt Lake Tribune. It's written by Sydney Gonzalez. It's about a town in Daggett County. Uh, it's called Dutch John. Wait, we have a Daggett County? We have a Daggett County. It's the most remote county in all of Utah. It's like up in the... Where is it? I believe it's up in the northeast portion of Utah. Oh, okay. It's by Flaming Gorge. Oh, okay. So there's a town within Daggett County. It's called Dutch John. And the, <laughs> this r- reporter's article is about how it's trying to take itself off of the map, literally. Okay. Yeah, I have a question about this. Take itself off the map, like no longer be a town. Is that what they're doing? That is exactly correct. So they, they don't they want to like be absorbed by a neighboring town? No, they want to be a lawless uh just area. <laughs> <laughs> they just... they want to be who's a, a Wesley Snipes, a Wesley Snipes of a town. They just want to be a Wesley Snipes town and for that I can't fault them honestly. So sure. Dutch John or Dutch John, it's home to like 100 people, you know. There's lot, not a lot of people. Oh, actually 150 is the exact amount, okay? So it's not a big town. But some of the residents of the town keep running against this local government, you know. And so 
they're like, we hate this government. They're always trying to put clamps on us from doing what we want to do. And so they put a vote up that is for taking their town off of the map. Okay, so it's not so it's not a town anymore. They go to a judge. The judge says you will need 18 petition signatures to get an actual vote on this. They get double that. They get 36 petition Uh signatures. Okay, so Uh it goes to a vote. Um, And unfortunately, it's shot down by a count of 55 to 38. Oh, wow. So they go to... Let's see. What's the math on that? Not everybody voted. It's 93 people out of 150, which when you think about it, that's actually a great voter turnout. Isn't a normal voter voter turnout? turnout. Yeah. Isn't it like 2%? Yeah. But if those other people had voted... See, this is why voting matters. Your voice matters. (laughs) I always go the other way. No, you never vote. Keep going. If I hold on, if I lived in Dutch John, I'd be way into the year vote matters because I'm like, no, literally, yeah. you're like, you're one out of 150, and if only 93 people show up, you're more than one percent of the vote. Yeah, absolutely, that's huge. They talked to the resident there, whose name his name's Thompson Davis. He's the one who started the petition, um, and he said that he wanted the issue on the ballot because he's making an effort to get rid of this is in quotes heavy the heavy handedness of local leaders. And so the Salt Lake Tribune calls him up. They're like, what's going on? He's like, well, I have a business here and I just keep getting like blocked at all turns by these leaders. So this is a direct quote from him about the leadership. They're making it difficult to be here. There's a vacuum of leadership here. It's very poor, end quote. Are there any specifics about what exactly they're doing that's making his life so difficult? Yeah. So apparently it's the normal mechanisms of government, which is. He needs to get permits for X, Y, and Z, so he tries to apply for them, and then they're like, well, actually, you didn't do this and this and this, which in a normal city, you just take, you're like, oh, this is just how it works, and you don't think as much about it. In Dutch John, I guarantee you're like, I'm the only business here. Just pass anything. I have, we have one business. You know, I sell, yeah. I sell a little bit of food or something to people as they come by. You don't need to worry about the fire marshal and all that kind of stuff. So I can understand his frustration here, right? Sure. Um, I wish that Thompson would come to larger cities and just give like deliver sweet quotes on Salt Lake County and Utah County. And they're just like, so what's going on here with, you know, Spencer Cox, something just like, uh, he's just making it difficult to be here. You know, there's a vacuum of leadership. Sure, sure, sure. I like the directness on his part. Um, Meg, do you believe that Dutch, Dutch John should or should not be a town? Um, you know, I, just learned it was a town 30 seconds ago so i don't know that i'm the best person to weigh in on this if i had a gun to my head i'd say it should be a town because i like the name do you believe the other towns so what if i guess sugar house isn't a town but whatever area sugar house is a part of i want more places to put it to vote whether or not they should be an actual city i think we'd be shocked how many people would just be like no, I want Spanish Fork to not be a city anymore, and it's the Wild West. Spanish Fork would immediately do yeah. that. I actually think that most people would opt not to be in a town. <laughs> of course we would. And then what? Then what? Then we'd go back to the olden days. Uh, like like eight... maritime law? Yeah, I don't know. I think it'd have a whole other can of worms, but at least the people who are always like, all of my problems are tied into the government. Then we'd at least get to do the gotcha moment. We're like, well, look now. Look what's going on now here, buddy. Still have problems. Because <laughs> it turns out you just have problems when you're a living, breathing person that's on Earth, regardless right. of what's happening. Who could have ever Existence seen that coming? This is pain. <laughs> so um, 
this there's another story. It's on KSL.com. It's actually not a story. It was it's a sponsored post from Robert J. DeBry. <laughs> what you hear and you're like, oh okay. Is, it, is he is he the one call that's all? I I don't know. What or is that, that is. Craig Swap? <laughs> I I think all local Or is that Big Street? <laughs> I think all local slogans blend into the same thing for me. Uh, okay. So it could be all of them and none of them. I, I really don't know. I know he's a personal injury lawyer. That's about all I could tell you. Yeah. Well, we've got we've got that. We've got a gang of them. We've got Craig Swap, who I think is one called that's all. We've got Siegfried and Jensen, who I always confuse with Siegfried and Roy, the tiger tamers. <laughs> and then we got Robert J. DeBry. I like the idea that we have an alternate tiger tamers, but they're just really into law. But they still kind of like tame tigers on the side. I don't know why they're not doubling down on that. Like they should make all of their ads tiger related. Well, here know? it's a self-sustaining business when you are a tiger tamer and will undoubtedly suffer some sort of personal injury from the tiger. Yeah. And then you can yeah, go yeah, to yeah. your own law firm and sue exactly. the tiger for the money and more. It's like um, how Apple only works with other Apple products. You know, it's, it's exactly correct. It's exactly correct. So yeah. Robert J. DeBry, sponsored mm-hmm. story, KSL, catches mm-hmm. my eye. Mm-hmm. The story, mm-hmm. seven Utah stereotypes that are absolutely inaccurate. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I don't know why Robert J. DeBry is the one musing on this, but I'm more than willing to buy it on the bait because the first one that comes up, not everybody loves green Jello. Chris, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you real quick, okay. and I know how hypocritical this sounds because sounds because I started this whole episode with like not every Utah's like this, but have you noticed how defensive we all are about Utah? Explain. Like, like I feel like everyone's like. Utah's actually cool. We're not a bunch of like hicks. Utah's great. We're cosmopolitan. Like we all have like this chip on our shoulder. Like no, you don't get it. We're we're a metropolis. And it's like maybe it's okay if we eat Jello. Who cares? You you, know? are, you are talking to the wrong person because anytime somebody tells me something like that about Utah, I'm just like, yeah, that's what it is. What do you want? <laughs> like. <laughs> Are are there a bunch of hicks here? Yeah. What do you want? Okay. Do we love Jello? Yeah. Like, are the families big? Yeah. Okay. Who cares? What What are we talking about? <laughs> if it was like something that was actually bad, I'd be like, yeah, that that would make me not want to live here. If a bunch of my neighbors eat green Jello, I'm just like, whatever you do, you can do. I don't necessarily yeah. want to eat it, I, but it's not going to bug me if you eat it. So why are we yeah. talking about this? Yeah, um, exactly. The problem is. I have a little bit of a bone to pick with this because I, I don't think that this is true. I think everybody kind of does love green jello. Um, and the main reason I think this, there are two reasons. Number one, uh, Senator Mike Lee, you might not know this because I didn't, uh, although you're more involved with the political world. He holds every Wednesday an event called Jello with the Senator. It's in, <laughs> <laughs> that's the specific title. Okay. It's, it's in Washington, D.C. Um, and, okay. and if you're a Utah, so the, the purpose of the event is if you're like a Utah in Washington, D.C. and you're feeling lonely and you want to come and kick your feet up with some other Utah politicians, you show up at Mike Lee's office on a Wednesday. They hand out green jello and it's kind of like a happy hour, like a cocktail hour, but it's there mm-hmm. with green jello. And you just, you know, you talk about all these Utah stereotypes that are untrue and you talk about the chips on the shoulder and how people always believe these things. And you do that yeah. with Mike Lee and his like his his hundreds of associates. Does that sound like something you would be interested in? 
not so much. Kind of depends though. Green Jello. Aren't there multiple flavors I, that are green? Like uh, you could have green apple. You could have lime. Yes. You could have pear. I mean, what? What? What is it? I I think that that's a common misnomer that green jello is all under one roof, you know? Like, would you just say, yeah. this is a green sucker? No, you define what the flavor is. And that's something right. that Utah needs to flush out a little bit more is the jello state, you know? It's not about like, green I jello. Went, I grabbed a can of flavored water, like a LaCroix knockoff, and it was green. I was like, oh, this is going to be lime. It's going to be refreshing. It was apple, you know? There you go. So, you got you to gotta check the flavors of the green product you're consuming. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of COVID, there's a notice on the senator's website now that says, due to the circumstances, there will be no Jell-O Wednesdays until further notice. Is there nothing left for I mean, them to enjoy? I can take a lot of things that have come with COVID, you know, but the idea that I can't go to Washington, D.C. and sit down with a nice cup of green jello in my hand next to Mike Lee and just talk about the issues of the day, that hits. That hits hard. Quick, quick cue. Do you think that it was, um, like, you know how you can buy jello in individually wrapped little containers? Yes. Then you peel back the lid and the spoon. Or are they making a big sheet pan of jello? Cutting it with cookie cutters and serving it in, like, banana split dishes. I love the idea that it mimics a cocktail hour, so there's variations of it. You have the cups, you have the big sheet, you have the jello jigglers, the little cutouts, and, like, Mike Lee's yeah. throwing them up in the air and catching them in his mouth. Everybody's clapping and cheering. Like, I assume jello with the senator is about as lit as an event could be. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. You know? uh, if, and if I am, I'm willing to admit it. No, it sounds it sounds like a great time. I honestly. feel like you put a bunch of different jellos in front of Mike Lee and the freakiest stuff's going to go down. Do you not agree with that? <laughs> so this is where I'm a little thrown off by Robert J. DeBry's claims because there's a Senate resolution that was passed about recognizing jello is the favorite snack of Utah, okay? Okay. And so when this resolution was drafted, there are all these different uh, parameters or whatever you want to call them that they go down and they list all of the reasons that Jell-O should be Utah's state snack, okay? And so, okay. I, want, I, so I want to read some of these to you because <laughs> as a person who doesn't feel the need to defend uh, Utah when it goes full clown mode sometimes, I love some of these. They're so funny. And so, so there's this long list, okay? Be it resolved by the Senate of the state of Utah. And then there's this list, and they all say, whereas, and then each line. So first one that I want to say, whereas, Jell-O is representative of good family fun, which Utah is known for throughout the world. <laughs> I love the idea that somebody's like chilling in Singapore, and, you know, they've lived there their whole life, and someone comes up and like, oh, what do you know about Utah, that state in America? They're like... Isn't that the place that's known for good family good fun? family fun, yeah. Do you know what I love? Our legislature's priorities. Oh, you could get me talking about this for 18 straight days because anytime there's an issue that matters, even in the tiniest of ways, there's a 32-year process and all that every politician goes, well, you don't understand. This is how politics works. There's a lot of, there's a lot of machine that got to start moving and the chains and this and that. Mm -hmm. As soon mm -hmm. as we're like, should we make Utah the snack of Utah? It's crafted in like six minutes. Everybody's brainstorming. Oh, yeah. They're throwing out these good family fun ideas. It happens so fast. Yeah. If only we yeah. could apply this to other things, Meg, but that's a whole other discussion. If, if only. Um, another one. Whereas 
1997, Salt Lake Tribune editorial cartoonist Pat Bagley drew a week-long series of political cartoons showcasing Jell-O in Utah in conjunction with the 100th anniversary of Jell-O. Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Is that, I'm kind of confused why that should make Jell-O our, our state snack. As am I. As am I. Like, I don't understand Like it. this bad cartoonist who works for Salt Tribune wrote about Jell-O for a little Wait, while. no, he's good. He's not a bad cartoonist. He's really good. He just won a bunch of awards. Uh, that might reflect more on the award than on the cartoonist. But again, that's probably another discussion. <laughs> um, next one. Whereas, when Des Moines, Iowa edged out Salt Lake City as the capital of Jell-O gelatin consumption in 1999, it sparked front-page stories in Salt Lake City's newspapers. I mean, yeah. So we wrote a... First of all, I want to go back to 1999 because... In the 90s, don't you just miss the 90s? Like, if that was our front-page story in, in Salt Lake City's newspapers, how chill were those times? You know, I think of the 90s and I feel like I'm wearing like a cozy sweater, you know, 1999. I'm 13 years old. I'm actually living the dream. I'm probably eating green jello. I actually am. I was way into jello back at that time. Okay, next one. Who wasn't? Whereas Utahns rallied to take back the title as chef Scott Blackerby hosted a recipe contest (laughs) in the Hotel Monaco's Bambara restaurant. Monaco. And Pat Bagley ran a cartoon persuading Utahs to purchase more Jell-O gelatin. What the hell did that just say? Can you? I need that deciphered. Well, okay. So we were threatened by Des Moines, who isn't, and the whole state was like top priority, win back title of top Jell-O consumption. And so this chef, who I assume is a big deal, hosted this contest, and. Um, uh, I don't know what happened there, but then Pat Bagley ran a cartoon and got Utahns to buy more Jello. I don't completely understand how the cartoon tied into the contest. There's a chef that was trying to host a recipe contest surrounding Jello. That doesn't sound like a chef to me. Well, he was doing a favor for the legislature, you know. And he was at Hotel Monaco's Bambara restaurant. Isn't what it is that? Monaco. Monaco's. Where is that? It's downtown. Oh, that's in Utah. Yeah. I thought that was some like extravagant overseas location. No, it's, um, it's downtown by the Capitol Theater. So Chef Scott Blackerby is just some guy that lives in Salt Lake. He's sure. not even a yeah, chef. They just found him. And yeah. they're like, can you just post this recipe contest? Uh, this one pertains to you, so you're going to have to defend your fellow Brigham Young University students, as I always ask okay, you to do on this podcast. Whereas, throughout 2000... Brigham Young University students campaigned to make Utah's love of Jello official at festivals and fairs throughout Utah. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> what does that mean? It means that any time I think BYU students can be cornier than the public perception of themselves, they somehow are cornier. Like, yeah. how are they campaigning? Actually, why are they campaigning to make Utah's love of jello official at festivals and fairs does that just mean that love of jello is like recognized at festivals and fairs in utah you go to the utah state fair and there's like a banner or something is you there a booth with a bunch of byu cute. students what, what's going on know. with that i don't know i can't i was there in 2004 i cannot speak to the previous classes and what kind of shenanigans they ensue i can tell you as soon as i got there 
everything was ship shop shape. Like I was, I was in charge and everyone listened to me. What did you campaign for when you were a BYU student? Um, Dutch John. Oh, what? I was like, let's, let's make Dutch John a town. Those people, they need to be a town. I actually kind of like that. You took the opposite of our boy. You're like, nope, you're staying a town. 150 people, you're that's a town. town. Uh, last thing that said, this is like the kicker for the resolution. So, you know, these politicians get together. They're like, we're going to save the best for last. The very last thing on this resolution that was passed and now recognizes Jello as our official state snack. Be it further resolved that a copy of this resolution be sent to Kraft Foods Incorporated. Sure. Like, who is that sent to at Kraft? And I, what are they doing yeah. with it? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like this ties do you into ever the... <laughs> get, do, you, do you ever get emails where you're like, all right, like, <laughs> there's like, like nothing you can really say in response. It was more like someone needed to get something off their chest and you're like, well, okay. Quick I feel like the person at craft was like, okay, thanks. Yeah, thank you for this resolution. A quick peel back the curtain thing. Whenever somebody sends me one of those emails, I immediately attach everybody that I know. And I'm just yeah. like, you guys got to check this out. This is great. So I'm assuming that's probably what happened at Kraft. They're like, I just got a letter from Orrin Hatch and Mike Lee, and it's got all these weird jello stipulations. You guys got to check this out. Um, okay, that's all I have on jello. There were a couple okay. other things that uh, Robert J. DeBry said. I'll go over them quickly. One is that families have a million children, and he's saying, no, they don't. And he goes on to say, while this is the state with the highest number of children per family, um, the, the reports are that like the number of children per family hovers at 2.32. So we don't have a million children per family, but we do have the most children per family in the United States. Sure. So... so. <laughs> He also says that there's a stereotype of, like, Utah has unique baby names. Um, and the two that he gives is an example. There are girls named McKensley <laughs> and boys <laughs> named Mahon... Mah Do you know how to say this? Mahonry? Mahonry? I, I don't. I don't. Um, Mahonry. Dave's telling me that it's Mahonry. Mahonry. Have you I, ever met um, somebody named either one of those names? Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> You did go to BYU. I forgot. Again, I'm like, who cares? We're weird. Who cares? And then sometimes I do meet kids with certain names. I'm like, oh, why? Why? Maybe this goes into why I don't feel the need to defend Utah ever. Because I'm just like, if somebody wants a weird name, go ahead and have it. It's never going to affect me in any way, shape, or form. If you want to be sure. named McKensley, go for it. Like, that'll that'll sure. affect that person and that person alone. And I that, know, but... That poor person. Well, that, that's that's their own thing. Uh, another one. Everyone has a Utah accent, which like, yeah, everybody everywhere okay. has an accent. Well, I don't know what you want. Yeah, I do. I do have a Utah accent, though. Oh, Sometimes I have. Sometimes when I listen back, I'm like, oh. <laughs> I have. Do you really think that? I have a significantly worse Utah accent than you, and I haven't, like, noticed it. But I also don't pay close attention to that. It's only I really. Do, I do say mountain. And I do, like, put emphasis on weird parts of words. <laughs> and I'm not aware. You know, obviously I'm not aware that I'm doing it. But when I hear myself on podcasts, I'm like, oh, boy, that is tough look, Meg. Well, what I think is strange about the accent thing is I never hear accents from any other part of the world and just go, like, <laughs> How, why do you say it like that? Like, I hear a southern accent or, like, a Spanish accent. I'm just like, yeah, that's their accent. I never think about yeah. it. Right? I know. I don't know why it's bad. 
I don't know. I, I need I need to reach out to Robert J. DeBry. Maybe I'll email over to old Robert J. DeBry and his associates and get a little. You know what he's going to do? He's going to get that email and go, okay. No, he's going to get the email and attach everybody and be like, this guy had some weird stuff he needs to get off his chest. He actually read that sponsored post and took it seriously. What a <laughs> yeah, bozo. Two people to engage with this. <laughs> All right. We're going on to the last story of the day. Um, Summit County. Dude who lives in Wyoming, he's driving home on I-80. He and his wife. Uh, and this is actually caught on, he has a dash cam. So this is caught on video. So it's not just this guy like making up some random story. He's yeah. cruising along I-80, driving 80 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's dark. Yeah. An elk yeah. suddenly in the road. He Yikes. just he just blasts it. Uh, elk comes through the windshield and the antler of the elk gores him directly in the chin. <laughs> Which, just think of the improbabilities of this so far. Like, I mean, you are in Summit County. I feel like every wildlife encounter we've discussed on this podcast is in Summit County. Is it just because there's such a high volume of animal encounters in Summit County that sooner or later these bizarre things have to happen? Or is it just because, like, because there's so much wildlife, there's this weird R going on. It's like, if there's ever going to be a goring, it's going to be here. A, a self-inflicted goring driving on I-80. Yeah, I don't know. He gets seven stitches in his chin. Okay. They had to glue his hand because it also got <laughs> sliced by the antlers. Yeah. He gets some bruising from the airbag, but as it turns out, he's like, way okay. He's like, yeah, I'm glad I got hit in the chin, you know, it hit it right on the bone. So it like drilled oh, the bone man. and then deflected oh, it man. so it didn't like go through his head. Oh, he did the right thing, though. Like you're supposed to just hit the animal, right? You're not supposed to swerve out of the way. Yes, you always hit the animal. As soon as you see an animal, if it's trying to get out of the way, you accelerate, you go after it. You try to take it down. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> this is not the take I expected from you. Like you're going 15 miles an hour on a residential street. You see a cat, you go, you floor it, you floor it, you try to hit. No, no. When there's a deer in the road, you're not supposed to swerve to avoid the deer because you'll probably die. You're yes, supposed to yes. just hit the deer, as sad as it is. In high speed as instances. As many times as you've watched Bambi, you've got to get over it. You've got to just hit the deer. In high-speed instances, you buckle down. Now, based on this story, I think the, the thing is you need to buckle down and you need to duck. You know, like put your head. If yeah, you can do no it quick enough, just put your head with the steering wheel so as once the antler comes, it's going to go over your head at least. And you're just going to oh. get plowed right in your face by the airbag. Yikes. So he saved the piece of antler that came through his windshield. And now he, like, keeps it at his house and, like, shows people, which that's a pretty just, cool thing. Did he turn it into a necklace? You know how, like, kids in third grade had shark tooth necklaces? <laughs> If ever I would condone a dude wearing around a elk antler necklace, this would easily be the time. Because people would see it and they'd be like, it's a little bit weird, dude. need to go, no, 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 let me tell you the story of this. And then he'd tell them and they're like, that's crazy, but I still don't fully believe you. And then he goes, check out this video on my phone. They watch the video and they're like, you're, I mean, this is an amazing story. This is hardcore. Um, Chris, I got I to gotta go take care of my children who are doing school. Wait, I have one more stat and then you can go. In a, okay. in a sad little twist, uh, a couple days later, he lives in Wyoming, you know, and he unfortunately mm -hmm. went down the path that you went down, which is heavy winds knocked over a tree in his yard. Mm -hmm. He didn't have the neighbors mm -hmm. to come and tie it down. But mm -hmm. instead of falling into his house, it fell the other way. And so now he's like, 
I think I'm like, you know, kind of untouchable. Like things are going on yeah. all around me and I'm just the eye of the storm, you know? So maybe we yeah. should go and hang out with this guy because we could never die if we're around him. I bet he hasn't had COVID. I bet he hasn't had COVID. Or, I mean, we could go down to St. George and they apparently don't have it there. So <laughs> it's great. We neither need to go to St. George or Wyoming, Meg. Oh, I am. I'm supposed to go to St. George at the end of the month, and I'm like, Ugh. Go down there. Go down there. Spread the joy. Spread the love. What if I do my own rally, a one-person rally? Uh, and I'm like, actually, masks are good. You should wear them. I mean this in all seriousness. I feel like that old lady would beat you up. Probably. So, so Probably. come prepared with some muscle. All right. A kid just walked in the room. <laughs> All Talk right. Talk to you later. Okay, that's all I have. See you. See you next week. Okay, bye. bye.